You're listening to Playback, a Variety iHeartRadio podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. This week, we've got director Brad Bird stopping by to talk about Pixar's Incredibles 2. We also discussed the 1999 film The Iron Giant, which is nearly 20 years old and got a nice reprise in Ready Player One earlier this year. We touch on that and more on this week's episode. So sit tight. This is Playback. Canada and Mexico. Okay. But the world lays. The world awaits. The world awaits. <laughs> I, I tend to get a lot of people like at the end of a big international tour, and it's like. Well, you're getting me right at the beginning, good. and yet still fried. <laughs> you know, what can you Which do? is the way you like us, right? <laughs> exactly. It's like at the end of a long junket day, it's like, sure, let's talk at 4 30. Yeah. And well, uh, yesterday, and it was an unbelievably long day. Uh, I look at Asia and she goes, okay, now it's time for this magazine. And I like the magazine, but it's like they had all these elaborate, complicated ideas that demanded, you know, me, like, thinking deeply. And it's like, <laughs> I'm at the end, I'm barely able to form sentences now. Yeah. I'm like, hey, babe, you know, don't use those, you. <laughs> and scene. Okay. <laughs> Um, it was like, you know, and they're like, you're wondering if you can pontificate under this very elaborate formulation that we were thinking. And I'm like, I looked at Heja and went, out right there. that's not going to happen. We made it go away. Yeah. <laughs> we have some fun ideas for you. I'm like, please, not fun ideas. No fun ideas at this point. Let's get some levels from you real fast. This is what we're going to be doing here. So All right. As much as you can not do this, basically. Okay. Other, otherwise, you're good. Cool. All right. Thank you, Dan. Is that the actual recording device? That is the recording device. How badass is that? Podcast in a bread basket. I love that. I can take this thing with me on the plane. Record in film festivals. And and the quality is like high bet rate and all that good stuff? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a novice, but cool. <laughs> it's, it's uh, so far, I mean. Do you listen, don't you? I do listen. Yeah. She might be lying. Right. What's your favorite one? That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I really like Sam Rockwell from last year. There you go. Because he gave me a heads up about what to listen for. There you go. He was fun. <laughs> All right, so yeah, uh, we're recording. Thirty-minute cool. conversation. <clears throat> Talk about Incredibles two. I'm here today with uh, director Brad Bird, writer director Brad Bird. We're going to talk about Incredibles two, which is uh, coming soon and so awesome. I just saw it the other day. Oh, great! It's fantastic. I want to start by talking about uh, just the aesthetic of these movies. I mean, I'm sure you've talked about this a lot, actually, certainly with the last movie as well. But just the the overall aesthetic, this idea of the future as seen from the 60s. Uh, you know, just talk about why that was the aesthetic that you were interested in for these movies and, you know, how that developed further uh, in the second Yeah, one. I think it was just kind of, um, you know, that was kind of uh, 
part of the first uh, really convincing uh, adventures for me as a child were uh, the Bond films and the spy films of that era and uh, Johnny Quest. You know, I think my favorite show as as a child was Johnny Quest. Mm -hmm. And there was this kind of um, um, futurism that uh, still involved kind of nutty fantasy Mm -hmm. but it had hydrofoils and jetpacks and all kinds of that stuff like that in it and um there's something about it uh that 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 always seemed i think the 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 best sort of villains the superheroes that were most convincing to me as a kid were were um spy movies they weren't superhero movies um uh, there was the Superman. It was the George Reeves one uh, that was kind of uh, you know in in reruns, and you know he's I like him and and for me he kind of was Superman from my from from my youth because I saw those reruns and but he was kind of a, a little bit overweight and he's doing <laughs> his little weird trampoline out the window and and you know it's not the most convincing stuff. The suit's really. a little DIY. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 and and you know the the Batman was kind of the same way. It was very years. <laughs> very campy and 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 um, I I the Bond films that were, my parents were cool enough to let me um, see. I didn't see them on their first release. Some of them, like From Russia with Love and, and Doctor No and stuff like that. I saw it on re-release, but uh, my parents let me see them, and those films seem to be kind of like superheroes-esque in in that uh, uh, they had the best devices, they had the best villains, they had the best henchmen, you know, um, they had these theme songs that you just couldn't forget after one listen, um, Oceans of Brass, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, it it seemed to uh, have uh, an impact on me. So when I was thinking of this superhero idea, that's kind of it had a spy vibe to me yeah um and that felt like uh it felt like when i was first um getting adventures as a kid yeah absolutely uh, were you a fan of the, i'm just curious anything inspired by darwin cook at all i'm a big fan of darwin cooks and his artwork and you know, i'm just curious uh, if any of that has ever come into play for you no but i'm sure he, it's great <laughs> oh, you know you know you're not, I'm not i wasn't sure if you were aware but yeah he, he did like dc's new frontier and stuff uh-huh. like that no the, i'm the, not really uh people think that i'm knowledgeable about comic books and i'm really not yeah i mean that's the, the sad truth the only one that i know well where I can hang in there with you is the spirit, right. uh, which is not that well known, but um, I consider it's really kind of genius. Mm-hmm. And uh, Will Eisner, to me, was uh, you know uh, the spirit in, is sort of the Citizen Kane of, of uh, yeah. comic books uh, to me. And so I can I can have a detailed discussion with you about the spirit, but but all the other ones are you know I have a, the, the most embarrassing novice sort mm-hmm. of. Understanding, I got my superheroes sort of secondhand through movies and TV and and a little bit the comic books, but not too much. Right, cool. 
Uh, I wanted to talk about advances in animation. You know, uh, like, is there anything that you weren't able to do 15 years ago that you were able to do now, for instance? Or maybe it's all the about easier speed, way to what? I was going to say maybe it's all about speed. How more how quickly you can do something now as compared to previously? Yeah, kind of. Uh, the best way to put it, I think, I mean more accurately, I think it's that we barely were able to do it on the first film. Mm -hmm. um, everything that computer animation was bad at, you know, humans, hair, uh, fabric, water, fire, that's all we had in The Incredibles. And um, so when we first showed our story reels to the company, um, people were on one level very excited by it. But on another level, everyone came out of the screening white because uh, they were just feeling like, oh, holy crap, how are we going to be able to do this? It's everything that we are not too hot at. And that's all it is. There is nothing else. There's no furry animals and there's no um, you know, uh, uh, hard uh, surfaced characters. Mm -hmm. It's all squishy humans, which we're not very good at. And uh, fabric and hair and fire and all that. So um, uh, they felt like, we'll figure it out. And they did. But we were on the edge of failure the entire time we were making the first movie. We barely got the hair in time for Violet. And, and you know, we had some very promising tests early on. Um, but they were kind of like strips of rubber. And they kind of generally moved like hair should move. And they said, we were very encouraged by this. And I was encouraged by it, too. And uh, yet, uh, it didn't improve. And finally, they came to me and they said, it's not getting better and we don't know how to do it and nobody else knows how to do it either all the other CG films had hair helmets you know right. and and uh, uh, they said um, does Violet have to have long hair and I said yes it's part of her character she hides behind it you know when things get intense and she has to step up she kind of starts pulling her hair back it is her character yes <laughs> that's the only kind of hair she can have and they're like well it's not working and then some uh, uh, genius decision was uh I mean, some genius insight was had over a weekend. And somebody like, if I put a decimal point here, look what happens. <laughs> and we had hair, but we had it at the last possible second that we could have it. And um, so that's kind of like what the making the first movie was like. And now... Um, uh, all the rigs are are much better. Um, they're more responsive to what you want to do. The lighting tools are better. The fabric is we can do well, and uh, it's more like, do you know what you want? Mm -hmm. And if you know what you want, we can do it. Um, uh, and that was a much nicer place to be. But mm -hmm. this, the hardest part is always the story, and, and there's nothing that makes that easier. Yeah, absolutely. I have a question about that coming up, but before I do. Uh Regarding all of that, the textures, everything, it just looked amazing. Oh, thank um, you. You know, it's it's considerable step up from the other movie, and for all those reasons. But I just, you know, I was really taken by just how some of these environments looked and, sure. and all of that. So, bravo. Well, I think the the quickest way, uh, the th quickest I think feeling people will have is that it's um, um, bigger. Mm -hmm. That it's uh, it feels um, more filled out, mm -hmm. and and that's definitely the effect of it is is that the scale is is larger. And yeah, yeah. 
Uh, regarding story, you know, you hear a lot about like the Pixar brain trust and everything and that whole process of story. Was that employed on this? Or it's employed that... on all of the films. Okay. Um, it just basically means that you have fellow filmmakers looking yeah. over your shoulder and saying, you know, maybe here we're a little, co- I was a little confused about this and it seems like this is not clear. Yeah. And we, it's, it, it's cool because everybody who's giving um, uh, notes or, or uh, suggestions has been in the trenches before. It's not coming from executives or anything. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so it's very helpful. When I, um, uh, you know, I'm friends with uh, Guillermo del Toro and, and he has that kind of relationship going with uh, uh, Cuaron and, and Inaritu. Mm-hmm. They're friends and, they, and they're kind of um, tough on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but they run ideas past each other and, and kind of are fresh eyes. And uh, Pixar has kind of a, that institutionalized. We don't call ourselves the... I mean, I guess we do now, but for the longest time it was someone else called us the brain trust. Right. You know, we, it sounds kind of pretentious. Yeah. Which, for, for us, it's just a group of people who make films and who have uh, some, you know, maybe helpful thoughts. Yeah. Uh, what was the toughest story nut to crack on this one? Like, what uh, really... The superhero uh, uh, villain aspect, mm-hmm. the sort of plotty part of it. Mm-hmm. The uh, original notion of the uh, job switch. Uh, where Helen would get the assignment rather than Bob, I had when we were um, pushing the first film. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I also knew that I had the unexploded bomb of of Mm Jack-Jack, that uh, uh, the audience knew he had multiple powers, but the the Parr family did not. And that uh, any, any sequel to The Incredibles would have to feature Jack-Jack as a, as a major character and not just a s- supporting character. Mm-hmm. And so those two things I had in my back pocket and I felt uh, good and excited about those ideas. But the superhero part was the part that I never... I was like, eh, you know, what what uh, would be a good idea? And finally, when uh, I was making Tomorrowland, and I'd been dabbling in, in an incredible sequel before that, I I, uh, Ted Mathot, who's the story supervisor, and I worked on the opening sequence with a version of the opening sequence with the Underminer uh, before I did Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Uh, so I've been, you know, tinkering around with it for a while. But I came to them with an idea while uh, Tomorrowland was, uh, sh- you know, shooting. I sort of pitched a, a, a notion of. Um, you know, I think I have a, a plot thing that that'll be cool, and I pitched the idea, and they liked it, and we got green lit, and and uh, uh, got a release date, and we started going. And about five months in, I realized this isn't going to work. You know, I, and and I could either I could continue to tinker on this, but we won't make our deadline. You know, now now I'm kind of screwed because. You know, everybody's starting to arrange chairs, and you know, uh, and uh, uh, so uh, that idea involved AI, and and uh, it's a cool idea, but it didn't work well with the the main story, which was the family stuff. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had an, another idea, and and parts of that sort of worked, and then I had to change that, and and uh, uh, you know, the screen slaver uh, notion kind of came l- late. And I realized just about a week ago when we were um, starting to talk about the film 
that that's kind of like the first movie because uh, The Incredibles was the only um, uh, project to come in from the outside where I had designs for the characters and I had a plot and I had uh, uh, paintings of the style of it and everything. You know, I came in with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I came in, it had a different villain. And uh, uh, in in uh, doing uh, in exploring uh, an alternate opening for the film at Pixar, uh, I came up with a new villain and killed him off in the opening sequence. And that villain was better than the villain that I had. And everybody said he's kind of cool. This villain, uh, do you really want to kill him? And uh, and I thought, yeah, we should. He should be the villain. So that was Syndrome, and uh, I and it, so. Also in the first film, the villain kind of came late, and I can't tell you why. It's just the way it happened. Interesting. Uh, <clears throat> speaking of Guillermo, what did you think of his season? I loved it. Uh, I, oh, season? His, you know, get, getting to see him win all those awards. And oh, yeah. No, it was a real pleasure. He's such a good filmmaker. And, and uh, um, when I was first uh, getting to know him, uh, Iron Giant came out, and and you know it, it, the the doors to the theater flung open, and <laughs> sagebrush blew through, and I was feeling kind of devastated. I was in Vermont, you know, trying to have a vacation, but I, I ended up, you know, just obsessing with what can we do to get a few people into the theater because when they go, they like it, but I, we couldn't get enough people to go. All the people that went. You know, had a good time, but it was just an awful feeling because I was getting all these reports of like 30 people in a theater, but at the end, those 30 people would applaud the film. And and it was just this horrible feeling of like people can't like it unless they see it, and like we can't get them to see it. And and Guillermo called me, uh, you know, when I'm, you know, just, you know, just. Uh, holding back tears in Vermont and just uh, was very uh, supportive and uh, had a lot of nice things to say about Iron Giant and kept saying to me that it's going to last and people are going to find it and and all this stuff. He couldn't have been cooler and it meant a lot to me. Yeah. One of the best movies of that year, hands down. Yeah. Uh, and, well, and, and so uh, to finish, I, I didn't really answer your question. It was uh, fantastic. I saw Shape of Water in Telluride and hung out with same. him. Same. Uh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. And hung out with him a little there. And, and he knew that he had something special. And it was just such a cool moment to, to uh, you know, he's made a lot of films and had, you know, tough uh, experiences like, like everyone has. And... And it was so cool to see him, you know, get vindicated the way the way he was. It's not like people didn't love Guillermo before that, right. but just to have that kind of support and validation was really cool. And it's a really terrific movie. Yeah, I got to spend some time with him the next morning because I wrote our cover story. Oh, cool! With him holding the Oscars and everything. He's still soaking it up, man. I'm really happy for him. Yeah, Iron Giant. One, speaking of, I wanted to talk about it. It's uh, almost 20 years now. Next mm. year. Uh, one I'm of the, old, I guess. Nah, well, we all are. <laughs> As I said, one of the best movies of that year, one of the best movie years, I feel like, of all time. Huh. Um, 1999, you know, just the filmmakers and the movies that were on display, Spike Jones being John Malkovich. Matrix. The Insider, The Matrix. Uh, just the, Scorsese had a movie. Kubrick had a movie. Eyes Wide Shut. I mean, just the caliber of filmmakers that were on display that year. You, you get a movie. You get you, a movie. Yeah. <laughs> 
I just <clears throat> curious if you had any thoughts about that, or is that just a me thing? About that, uh, that year? year? Yeah. Uh, my perspective is different. Sure. You know, my my perspective is you like, were at home bummed that your movie bummed. Wasn't yeah, off. yeah, like why won't everyone see this? Yeah. So no, um, I, I can't look at, at it that way. Um, it's interesting though. I, I will go back and kind of revisit which which films came out that year. Check it out. I mean, I think Iron Giant has a great place in that uh, in that history. Well, thanks. Um, what did you think about the way that the Iron Giant was used in Ready Player One, by the way? Well, um, I'm not only a, a long-time admirer of Steven, he's uh, one of the filmmakers that I uh, really have studied and, and uh, um, when uh, Close Encounters, you know, I, I saw it like 18 times on its first uh, release, you know, I, I just uh, love his filmmaking, and and uh, he gave me my first opportunities to write and uh, direct and, and produce, and even like act in a stupid way. I, I had a very tiny part in an episode of Amazing Stories that I wrote, uh, but uh, um, uh, so it was wonderful to have uh, it, uh, Iron Giant show up in a Spielberg film. Yeah, so uh, nothing but cool mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Yeah, regarding Amazing Stories, I want to talk about that. That was like your first thing, really, in the yeah. industry, right? I mean, yeah. and they're bringing that back, which is great. Uh, oh, cool. Having this anthology of, 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 uh, is of that. Is Steven involved? I'm not sure who's involved. I just know they're huh. bringing it. I heard they're bringing it back. Who knows? Oh, cool. They're, they're reviving everything these days. Yeah, those pesky <laughs> new ideas. Got to not do any of those. Well, let's talk about that. You've got a, you've got a sequel here. I know you, you're not keen on a Ratatouille sequel. Um, no, I mean, I feel like we t we got the story. We, we It's not like now he does fast food. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> like, uh, you know, we don't need it. There There's airspace for new ideas, I hope, still. Yeah. You know, I mean, Ratatouille was a new idea not, not too long ago, so... Um, I hope they haven't been banished from the show business landscape. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think about Pixar? You know, going to the well a lot with Cars sequels, with Saving um, Nemo sequels. I, I would love to tell you it's part of a grand plan, but it just sort of happens. I mean, right after Toy Story four, um, there's going to be a slew of originals, mm -hmm. and um, that's not planned either. Um, it's just kind of they happen the way they happen, and uh, um, you know, a lot of people have opined that it's part of some Disney mandate or corporate strategy and it's not it's mm -hmm. just they just happen the way they happen so uh, I knew that I wanted to do uh, another Incredibles um, <clears throat> I'd been like I said I've been tinkering with it for a while um, uh, because the most fun I ever had making a movie so far in my pretty limited career has been the first Incredibles work. And I think it's because I got to take it from the first um, atom of an idea to finished film. Mm -hmm. Whereas everything else has kind of had a life before me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Iron Giant was a book. Uh, 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 even though I changed it a lot, mm -hmm. uh, it was the notion of it was Ted Hughes' notion, mm -hmm. and uh, Ratatouille was Jan Pinkova's idea, and I kind of came in on it, and uh, Mission Impossible's Mission Impossible, obviously, and and uh, 
uh, Tomorrowland began as a Damon Lindelof and Jeff Jensen idea that I, uh, I was really intrigued by. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, you know, Incredibles is kind of mine, yeah. you know, 100%. I mean, not to say that we, you know, it's also my cruise and, and you know, all of that, but, uh, you know, it's it's my baby and, and uh uh, uh, I knew I wanted to return to it, and I didn't also plan for it to be 14 years. I just had other things, and I kept tinkering on it, and suddenly I looked up, and it was 14 years, or not 14 years, like 12 years later, and I thought, I better get going or people are not going to remember the first film. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm not opposed to sequels. Sometimes people think, misunderstand that I'm opposed to them. Obviously, right. I like them. I've done two of them. Yeah. But it, I think they're taking up too much of the uh, uh, bandwidth. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it seems like we're playing musical chairs now, where it's like, you do another Planet of the Apes, and I'll do a Spider-Man, <laughs> and you do a Star Wars, and I'll do a Marvel. And it's, it's like, no. It's like... At one point, all of these things were originals, and and mm-hmm. and I I remember when Spielberg came out with Poltergeist and and E. T. within a couple of weeks of each other, and it's like, you know, how cool was that time, and why can't we do that? You know, yeah. there's certainly no shortage of great uh, filmmakers now. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> that having been said, something like The Incredibles seems ripe for like expansion far beyond these movies. If if you if you comic book series TV shows uh-huh. the whole gamut the whole expanded universe yeah. thing if so you you're starting to say expanded universe or franchise mm-hmm. and all I can tell you is my skin burns <laughs> it burns <laughs> So, so you don't you don't envision <clears throat> these incredible I got you yeah we <laughs> talked about Mission Impossible there. I wanted to actually touch on that because. But again, I just want to remind everyone, your listeners, that uh, you know some of my favorite movies are sequels. Sure. I love The Empire Strikes Back. I love Godfather Two. Bring it on, Road Warrior. Love Goldfinger. Best Bond film is Goldfinger, mm-hmm. the third one. Uh, so, so don't anyone misunderstand that I don't think sequels can be fun. I think we've just made one. You know. Yeah. Uh, that is fun, uh, but I, I don't think it can be the only part of a filmmaker's diet. Loud and clear, Mission Impossible. I kind of feel like more than JJ's movie, even this movie, Ghost Protocol, was uh, kind of responsible for this new identity that the movies have. I guess, for lack of oh. a better word, in my opinion, uh, hmm. it, it was kind of the beginning of that. And I, I love each of these movies. Sure. And I'm just curious. Uh, you know, would you go back to it? Is it? Is it well. Uh, uh, I think the reason I wanted to, uh, I was having trouble getting a project that I still hope to make uh, called 1906. Yeah. Uh, I was having trouble pulling that together, and, and I needed to do a film. I, I was spending too much time banging my head against the 1906 wall. And uh, when I looked around at the, the, the projects that were gassed up and ready to go, um, the thing that I loved about the Mission movies, besides the fact that Tom Cruise and I had been looking to work with each other because he liked uh, 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 the way the action sequences in Incredibles were done, um, 
was that uh, the Mission Impossible series embraced the differences between filmmakers. It wasn't about um, us uh, all subscribing to a house style. It was more mm-hmm. about um, the the, the uh, Brian De Palma one wasn't was different than the John Woo one, which was different than the JJ one, which is different from mine. Yeah. And uh, the refreshing thing about that was that they came to me and said, "Is there anything you've wanted to do in a spy movie?" And just and I said, "Oh." yeah, there's a whole bunch of things I want to do in a spy movie. And they just said, well, have at it, you know, and that attitude of like, we're ready to go any direction you want to go. Um, you know, so I said, yeah, I want the text stuff to break. <laughs> I want it to be unreliable. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to do something in a sandstorm, you know, a chase in a sandstorm, you know, and they were just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it was, it was just Fun yeah. and and everybody worked their asses off, but they, we were all kind of having fun, and uh, uh, that was uh, what was uh, great about that. And, yeah. and it was fun to shoot in IMAX. You know, I got indulged on that one. I would have said, I want to do what Nolan did on Dark Knight, and and they went with it and said, Yeah, okay, let's do it. And you know, we got IMAX cameras up on the tallest building in the world with mm-hmm. with a with an actor that was crazy enough to do that stuff. So that was really fun for me. Hard but fun. So I guess the answer is at the time that's what you wanted to do. You were really I've into done that, my Mission Impossible film. Okay. Yay. I think we'd like to see you do another one. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, I'm glad you Not feel to that crack way. The whip. <laughs> uh, I also wanted to touch on randomly batteries not included. Oh, you, wow, you randomly, on, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, uh, long ago. Um, just watched it again recently in my garage. I have a ton of VHS cassettes in my yeah, garage. Yeah, you must that watch I that on VHS. Yeah, yeah, That's the it, only... <laughs> <laughs> hopefully really deteriorating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Any memories is, is the uh, Sure. I mean, you know, it's my first uh, screenwriting credit. Um, there's not a lot of wor- my work left in the film, no. to be honest. Mm-hmm. I uh, worked on a really early draft, and, and they went in different directions, which... Uh, you know, of course, one would uh, do, but uh, Matthew Robbins, the director, really uh, gave me a, a really um, amazing uh, break when I needed it uh, to do his episode of Amazing Stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he I, I was at a real low point. You know, this spirit project that I wanted to do uh, didn't turn out. I mean, it was going to be produced by Gary Kurtz, who did, you know, st- uh, the first two Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars. And we had ambitions of, uh, you know, doing something really wildly different from the animation being done at the time. And I had the cream of the Disney crop ready to give their two weeks notice and and and, and uh, jump onto that film but we couldn't get anybody that wanted to pay for it and so uh, I was at a real low point and uh, uh uh, I was having lunch with Matthew Robbins and, and I was telling him my tales of woe and he was telling me you know uh, well there's this new Steven Spielberg TV show and, and uh, they're sending me a script and uh, if if I don't like the script, uh, uh, I'll I'll ping you and let you know. And he loved the idea of the script that he got, which was Steven's idea. Mm-hmm. But he didn't like uh, the way it was done in the script. So he kind of invited me in and uh, uh, gave me this shot to um, uh, write a new script for it. And uh, 
lo and behold, it, it, it got made. And, and I was on the set and kind of doing storyboards for it. And, and it was, uh, it was the, my shot. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Stephen liked the script enough to invite me uh, down and, and, and say, you know, are there other things you want to do? And I showed him a, a new family dog, which I had showed him years before as a short. And he couldn't find any movie theaters that were willing to um, take time away from the concession stand. So uh, I, I had done uh, on just thumbnail sketches a new family dog thing. Um, uh, Tim Burton and I had done the first storyboard mm-hmm. um, and uh, showed it to Stephen, and he said, "Can you do a, a, you know a half hour of this?" And I said. Sure, and mm-hmm. he said, "Let's do it as an amazing stories." So that kind of got me going on on my film career, uh, and uh, it, it meant the world to me. So, batteries was uh, a part of that. The, the Matthew uh, uh, Stephen enjoyed Matthew Matthew's episode of Amazing Stories so much that he said, "You know, how about this? I have this idea for an Amazing Stories, and I think maybe it would rather uh, be a film." Mm-hmm. And that was batteries. So I. I got to work on it. It was a great opportunity, and I had a great time. I had to jump off of it in order to get Family Dog done for the second season because they didn't renew after the second season. And and so Mm -hmm. I had a certain amount of time that I had to do to get uh, Family Dog in there, and uh, I had to jump off of it. But I got a credit out of it, and that was cool. But there's not a lot of my uh, work in there. (laughs) We kind of moved on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you were talking about 1906. (laughs) I wanted to touch on that. Uh, What's the difficulty with – because this is long gestating. Uh, Yeah, it's it's that. It it uh, it wants to be uh, a longer story. It's a really fascinating moment in history. Um, uh, the prior to the earthquake, San Francisco is this really uh, happening city that's somewhere between the old West and the 20th century. I mean, they still had bars where people were getting. Uh, Shanghai. I mean, mm-hmm. given slipped Mickey fins, and uh, you would wake up on a boat, and if you didn't work the boat, you'd be thrown overboard. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was still happening, and the people who owned those kind of bars were, you know, in the California legislature. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, in other words, it was somewhere between the Wild West and, and the sophisticated uh, uh, city, San Francisco like to see itself as and mm-hmm. was in many ways. So it's this fascinating moment in, in history where, where gas light and electric light were coexisting and cars and horses were coexisting. And uh, um, uh, getting it uh, in a movie-sized box, it, it's too big a story for. If you do it for TV, you're missing the scale of motion pictures. And uh, so I keep trying to get it to kind of straddle these two worlds. And um, Are you opposed to TV because of that, or is it still something No, better? I mean, no, but, uh, you know, I love the movie experience, and, and I would want the earthquake to be in, in, on a movie screen, and mm-hmm. yet I recognize that the stories too. So I'm kind of trying to get it done as an amalgam and... People kind of are intrigued by it, and Warner's wants to do the earthquake part of it as a movie, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know we just can't get it all under one roof. Yeah, uh, but uh, I'm still fascinated by the story. So, you, I mean, you know, 
to be continued. To be con- yeah, I mean, are you, yeah. are you still plugging away at it, or is it just kind of uh, just... And I'm still interested in it, but I I want it to be done in a way that embraces all the possibilities yeah. and yet somehow stays uh, near or uh, part of it or something on the big screen. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about just <clears throat> at the end here is John Lasseter. Um, you know, just morale at the company, at Pixar. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, all of that news broke uh, when you were finishing your movie. And so just curious what morale is like up at Pixar right now in the wake of all of that. Well, I, you know, it's an odd time, but I think everybody is, uh, you know, uh, we uh, uh, hunkered down and, and uh um, you know, we we knew the game was on, so we're going to play the game, which is is uh, you know get the film done, mm-hmm. and everybody were heads down, and uh, uh, I think we uh, pulled together and, and pulled off uh, a, a very ambitious skill. Uh, I can't talk anymore. I've been talking too much. <laughs> Um, a very ambitious film on a very uh, tight schedule. Um, so uh, we knew. Uh, people assume that we we knew or know something beyond what the public knows. Sure. But um, we were all just working, and then uh, we. I think we knew a half an hour before. I knew a half an hour before the press knew. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, I haven't seen him since. I've sent him an email. And he didn't. He hasn't responded. But he didn't respond before this happened. He was just doesn't respond to emails. But if you run into him, he'll have a conversation with you at any time. So, uh, you know, we haven't seen him since. You kind of know what we know. But uh, you know, uh, you know, I I love Johnny's an old friend, and and uh, I hope it works out in in a way that everyone's happy with. Well, that's what my next question is. There an <laughs> expectation that he can return in some capacity there? Uh, you know, uh, if I gave an answer one side or another, it would be untruthful. Mm-hmm. We truly don't n- know. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, the moment or maybe a half an hour <laughs> after we know, the world will know. So yeah. um, we're just all uh, where we are right now. Okay. We don't know. Okay. Well, good luck with the movie. It's called Incredibles 2. The release date is June 15th. June 15th. I always have to yeah. double-check before I say sure, it. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, please, encourage your listeners to see it on... Find the biggest, best screen, the best sound system. If they are turning down the bulb and, you know, get in their face and say, No, we want the full bulb on. <laughs> we, you know, crank it up. Crank up the sound. Do you check out theaters to see how they're playing? Like, uh, yeah, how, sure. How the, uh, and, and, you know, by the way, if it's a packed theater, they need to turn it up 4 dB because the body has absorbed the sound. So, um, you know, hopefully you have some geeks out there who uh, will insist that if it's a packed house, turn it up to 4 4 dB. You know, that's the way to get the ultimate uh, version of it. So see it in IMAX, see it in Dolby Vision, find the biggest screen you can, uh, you know, uh, on... uh, 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 Cinemark, I think it's XD, Cinema XD. Find the XD screen. (laughs) And, you know, uh, just big. Find a screen the size of Cleveland and a sound system (laughs) that will blow your hair back. And that's the way it should be seen. Brad would like you to see his movie on a big screen, everyone. And with popcorn, please. (laughs) With popcorn. Brad Bird, thanks for coming on my show. Really appreciate it. It's a blast. Thank you.